Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Daou, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. Hi, Sylvie Dowie here, host of Secrets from the Saddle podcast. Welcome to my indoor training studio. And there's been, so this is the coach's tip of me. Now I've been getting a lot of questions and, and seeing a lot of interesting questions on forums about how do you set up your space and how do you make your riding experience comfortable? Well, I totally get you. I am just sort of new to bringing myself in and training a little bit more on the trainer, on the inside, uh, inside this year. I felt the pull, the FOMO of, you know, staying super fit, not fit, but like super fit for the spring because all of my ladies and my club uh, of cycle fit chicks are on swift like every day and uh, these are the girls that I ride with at a higher level so I'm like I need to be doing something so that's the big question how do you make your riding experience comfortable for the long haul you know determining like how many hours you're gonna put in so I kind of broke it up to four different areas that I'm gonna to talk to you about today so first one is the setup and I'm gonna just go through that then the second one is gonna be clothing what do you wear to make yourself comfortable make the experience comfortable because that has a lot to do with it then the food what are you gonna eat before during and after that is also extremely important and then of course the training what are you gonna do all right and if i miss anything after this please put a comment below before we get started make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss these coaches tips and all the amazing interviews uh, from people from around the world who are involved in cycling whether it be coaches racers, um, organizers, bike shops, um, really extraordinary people that are using the bike for extraordinary things. Don't forget to put the your notification on because they come out three times a week. So we've got two interviews and my coaching tips on Friday. And uh, also, all of these are live on YouTube. So I will be doing my best to explain for audio listeners, but Go to my YouTube channel, make sure you subscribe and get the notifications on there because everything goes up live there as well. All right, so let's get into the first uh, item on the agenda, the setup. Now, everybody's got different spaces in their house. Um, I, for one, this is my, uh, well, it's not mine, it's the family's, so I have to respect that. Um, and it's also the place where I do online fitness uh, classes. 
So I do those three times a week. So I cannot leave my bike on the trainer here uh, 24-7. Uh, I do have, there is other space. I'll just pan over here. You see, there's a couple other bikes over there. But truly, this is a space, as most families, the, the kids play here. So I can't just, um, you know, monetize and, and take over the whole area. I have to be respectful. So I set up my bike. And then I take down my bike and I actually hang it up. And then I put it by my trainer and then I pull it out when I need it. So the space can be anywhere. I kind of think about, you know, the size of yoga mat. That's basically the size of your bike and the trainer combined without anything in front of you, like a TV or your laptop. So if you think about that, it can kind of, you can kind of gauge where you can put your bike and your trainer. Now, a lot of people, of course, want to have the full pain cave. I don't have that. I actually have a table um, that I put uh, my laptop on and my iPad on. And then I have a um, another device that, well, I have my Garmin on my bike and my heart rate monitor. So <laughs> the bike setup is, you know, I try and keep it small and contained because like I said, it's not a permanent setup. So that's the thing, that's the first thing is just, um, you know, finding a space where A, you can set up permanently or A or B, it's an easy place where you can tear down and put up and you have a place to put your bike that's not too far away so that it doesn't take up, um, you know, a lot of space. Unless you're really into, you know, doing over six hours, eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours, a week of training, then you might definitely want some somewhere that's more permanent. Now for trainers, I'm not going to get into that. Lots of channels out there. Um, but I just have, I have two trainers. I have a dumb trainer and I have the rollers. So I flip between the two. Um, and then we talked about the space and here's a little thing about, uh, fans. I don't typically have one, um, but it is an important, uh, piece of equipment to invest in. And I have, and I've heard that the best place is kind of to put it behind you so that it cools your back and your neck. Um, now I know a lot of people have it just like blowing up into their face. Um, but it really depends on what is best for you. Uh, so like I said, I don't have one here. I just sweat it out. I probably will add one later on. Uh, so your bike setup and devices. Here's a really important thing to note that when you set up, you know how you ride your bike and naturally your hands are on the handlebars and you're looking forward your device, whether it's a TV or your laptop, shouldn't be too high. And you can put it low because your eyes typically go down to look at the ground anywhere. But if your, your TV specifically is too high and you're cranking your neck, you might want to consider bringing it down to its eye level, right? Because you don't want to end up having any neck issues in the long run. So that's basically your setup. You've got your trainer, 
doesn't matter what it is. Um, you've got your space dedicated. You got your bike. Oh yeah, your bike. Make sure it's clean and make sure you have a trainer tire on. Um, some people run with old tires. Uh, they typically break down quite quickly and they can leave, you know, debris on your trainer. Um, sometimes it's just better to invest in one. I find them kind of loud, but anyways, they, it's like warming up my bike. It squeaks and then it goes away. Um, the next one is devices. I know like for those who are on, um, those platforms, there's a need for like pff, three different devices, something to watch, something to run on, and then maybe, uh, you know, your Garmin and stuff like that. So you really have to decide how much money you want to put into this setup. Um, and then storage, of course. So like I said, I have to take my bike off and, um, if you're able to keep your bike on there permanently, that's awesome. Here's one tip. If you are on a trainer that requires the pressure against your back wheel, make sure that you dial off the pressure when you're done, right? You release it from the back. And here's another tip. Um, make sure that you always are um, tightening the bolts that hold your bike in the trainer. Depending on how much out of the saddle and you know hard pedaling you do, those can loosen up. So just make a check maybe once a week because we have found that um, sometimes they loosen and when you go out to push on that pedal, your bike just falls out of your frame, uh, out of your trainer. So that's another little tip. So, so make sure that they're tightened on both sides you release the pressure off the back, which is what I need to do right now since I just finished my workout. And um, when you get your bike on your trainer, make sure the skewer in the back, which is basically what holds your bike, your wheel onto your frame is metal. The reason why metal is important is because metal will not fall, like come out of the trainer grasps. If you have metal on one side and plastic on the other, the plastic is the one that could slip out. So make sure that they're metal. Usually trainers do come with them. Um, and that's it for the bike setup. Hope that helped. On to number two. All right. Number two is clothing. What do you wear? Well, here's a couple things and one big tip of what you don't wear and it's underwear, whether you're a guy, a man or a woman, you do not put or wear underwear underneath your bike shorts. There's a reason why these bike shorts are made to sit against your private parts so that you don't get the rubbing of the extra um, creases in your underwear. And plus, you definitely want to benefit from the cushion from the chamois on your uh, bike shorts. Now, um, so that's number one, eliminate the underwear. It'll probably eliminate a lot of problems that you've been feeling while riding, right? So take care of that one, number one. Now, what kind of bike shorts are good for you? It's really, really, really about preference. Um, I prefer something that is not super padded. Um, for shorter rides, I do 
like the tri shorts with very little padding. Um, but for long, I would not ride these longer ride, uh, anything longer than maybe an hour. Um, I definitely love, there are some shorts that I love, but like I said, there's lots of brands out there. Um, they can be extremely expensive. And I've, I've heard of people who just swear off expensive stuff because sometimes it's just not as good and make sure it's breathable, right? Cotton is kind of, you know, gets wet, gets damp, like have a good breathable top or just wear a sports bra. Who cares? So that's it for clothing. Let's move on to number three. All right, number three, I'm going to talk about food, and this is probably the most important part um, alongside with sleep, but we're not going to talk about sleep when it comes to spike setup and being comfortable on your trainer. Now, food. You have to think about before, during, and after, and also how long is your ride and how intense is your ride going to be? These are probably big questions or big factors depend de will determine on how much you eat before and during and uh, what your recovery is going to be like after. Recovery is pretty much the same. You should have a good recovery routine. If you're sitting and putting time and you're dedicating yourself to training on your trainer for better performance. If you don't have a good, uh, you know, food regime or routine, then sometimes it's just not worth it. Um, because really it's about the fuel you put in your body. You know, if you had a Porsche, would you put diesel in there? No. Well, would you put diesel in anything besides diesel? Um, but it's premium food and your body should be a, um, you should think of it as a Porsche, right? You've decided to put all this money into a trainer, into your bike, into spending time. Now put the same amount of money and effort into uh, researching good routines and what you're going to put in your body. Now, for instance, I'll share with you what I do for a long ride. So let's say anything over three hours like 80 kilometers, 60, well, anyway, I do it for anything that's outside. I don't typically do it so much to the extent as inside because it's just different. Um, however not, I've never been in like a really intense workout yet, but this is, so this is what I do. I don't eat like physically uh, food before my rides. I've switched it up from oatmeal to shakes. Um, I used to be a huge oatmeal fan. I haven't eaten oatmeal in like, I don't know, almost a decade for this reason. Um, so what I do is I have, I've chosen a company. Um, I've tried lots of companies and I use these meal replacement, super dense shakes for, um, for meal replacements. Now, this is what I use. I will put one of these uh, shakes in the blender. So it's, 100, it's 260 calories. I know there's protein, fats, and carbs in there just to start. And it's nutrient rich. And so what I add to make it 500 calories, I add a banana. I can add avocados. I can add more oats for more carbs. Um, I'll add peanut butter and I'll blend it up and I'll literally drink it on my way out the door. And it is so filling. 
that I don't need to think about starting to refuel for about an hour and a half. I don't let it go to the extent where I need to. So I always watch my time. And this is a really good little thing to get into a habit of, of how long you've been on the trainer. It's kind of different outside the inside, but um, and I start eating in an hour and a half little snacks. Now, during your ride, you should always have some sort of electrolytes. So pick something, one bottle of electrolytes, one bottle of water. Now, if you're on your bike for like an hour, you don't really need the two bottles, but you definitely need something. And I then have a bar. Um, what I do is I take a couple bars, I cut them up. I have one that's salty, one that's uh, sweet. And so I get a little surprise and I also bring other things like potatoes, um, uh, bagels with peanut butter, things like that. But the thing is, if you're doing a long ride inside, this food should be close by, right? It's the same. You're going to need your energy, but maybe not so much if you're doing like a zone two, two to three hour ride. You're probably just going to need a bar because you're not expelling as much um, energy. Um, but outside is a different story. I always bring more food and I always keep my eye on everybody. Now afterwards, so always make sure you have your electrolytes in here, in your water bottle. And then afterwards, um, and this is a good routine at home, is to have your post-recovery workout. Now, if I was riding outside, I would have this in my car already mixed up or in powder form and water and ready to go. I use BCAAs for muscle repair and I also use this Amped Repair and this has collagen, tart cherry, and turmeric for joint support. Now, depending on what your situation is on the health side, this might be what you're needing. Like if you have, you know, hips that are kind of like uh, giving you issues, knees, inflammation, things like this might really help. And then you always eat a full meal afterwards, like about an hour to an hour and a half to really replenish. Here's a little rule of thumb. Uh, every hour you should be consuming, or 45 minutes, you should be consuming up to 100 calories. That can be the same inside if you're doing like a really intense long ride, definitely on the outside. So it's important to start tracking and really paying attention to time and um, you know how you're feeling. Okay, don't ever let yourself go to the point where you're feeling hungry. That is too late. You are literally on your way to bonking and you know causing everybody to stop with you if you're out on an outside ride. If you're gonna bonk by yourself at home, go for it. <laughs> but I hope you learn from it. All right, next one. Okay, so number four is training. Now this is super important. I've uh, talked to more of my clients and I've just talked to, to some of my teammates and I'm like, what are you guys doing? How many hours are you putting in? And it's really important to kind of have an idea of what you're doing. Let's just say for right now it's January and there's a goal of an event in June and it is like 120 kilometers 
it's in a hilly region and it's like you're going for time. Now, something like that you're going to want to, you know, train appropriately for. And then of course you're starting their season. Um, people might have triathlons. So of course you got to manage the three sports, but for this, it's just deciding and making sure that you do not overtrain yourself over the winter for April or May or whenever you're getting started. What does that mean? Here's a rule of thumb. If you are jumping on every group ride or meetup, or if you've, um, your the fear of FOMO kind of like me, um, is getting to you and you're just doing all these intense long rides or you, you know, like you're just trying to get all the badges on say Swift, 80% of your weekly training should be base building zone two. 20% is those hill climbing, those faster group rides, those high intensity intervals. Now just take a look at what you're currently doing because if you kind of do in the reverse, then your, your body is never going to recover. You're going to get injured. You're going to like, you're never, you're going to stop getting quality workouts. And so that's why I say, you know, it's, it's just basically make a plan, schedule it in. And if you're doing six hours, like I am hour 20, is your 20% of high intensity. So what is that going to be? Are you going to do it all in one shot? Or are you going to do it over two rides? So that's kind of what you're doing. So if you're up there for 10 hours, then, you know, two hours is dedicated to intensity and you run it that way. I'm not going to get into further, like more, um, uh, complicated, uh, formulas for training, but that is pretty much the rule of thumb. So just take a look at what you're doing and make sure that what you are doing is follows that routine. That's it. We walk through the setup, the clothing, the food, and the training. So I hope that helps you out when you're sitting there and you're wondering how you can make your indoor experience a lot more comfortable. Here's the last little tip. If you're out for a three hour ride, you can stop and get off your bike and stretch and go to the bathroom and maybe get something to eat. So don't think that you have to sit on there for all that time. Plan it out, right? That's it for today's coach's tip. I hope you took away some great um, little tidbits that you can apply. And if I miss something, please or comment below. I would love to take that and, you know, maybe make another uh, coach's tip out of it. But for now, don't forget to subscribe to make sure you get the next one and put those notifications on. Make sure you go to YouTube so you can see this, the full production of this. And then make sure you go to my website, cyclingskillspro.com for all the latest cycling skills, courses, webinars, and downloads. You got your last chance to join us for the eight week road cycling skills or course that we're starting in February. And what you're going to do is you're going to learn the fundamentals on good pedal form, how to climb hills, how to sprint, and everything in between. You don't want to miss this. This is going to really change 
your cycling performance, your cycling form, your cycling efficiency for the, the summer. You can apply it. I have four week program where you can get these skills like a lot quicker, um, but definitely go there and check it out. So with that, have an amazing day, have an amazing week. Make sure you're planning those training sessions and just remember you're only one pedal stroke away from cycling like a pro. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast. Learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment telling me what you think and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.